smells like football, baby. <laughs> What up, people? Welcome into the Fantasy Football Smackdown. It is Monday, if you're watching us on the YouTube. Uh, June 21st, I'm your host, Kyle August. You can follow me on Twitter at KyleMonth8. And joining me, the co-host of the Smackdown, you know him as Jake Takes FF on Twitter. I know him as the excellence of execution. It's Jake. Rip your heart out. Jake, rip. You know, I love hearing it from the studio audience every once in a while. It's nice being on that end of the applause. But how are you doing, my friend? It's uh, it's been exactly a week. Yes, it has. It's been it's been good, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, just been been busy waiting for football season, pretty much. Uh, got I can't can't ever get away. Gotten a uh, a draft this week where it was. It's a so this is our, my buddy. He's the listener of the show, uh, John. He's in a league with us, uh, the RSO league that we talked about a few weeks ago. He is a junkie, like most of you out there, and he decided he wanted to do a draft. We we're doing it redraft league, um, but he added a twist where, and so let me know your thoughts on this. I don't know if he put it in that league chat or not. It's a redraft league. It's super flex, three flex positions on top of that, so it's a pretty deep starting roster, like six, six or seven bench spots, but the caveat to this league is that every week, if you have a bench player that outscores someone in your starting lineup you have to cut that player off your bench (laughs) oh that's incredible man how do you guys is that was that your idea no this one was his and i was like dude that sounds awesome like it it definitely uh it's interesting to me for sure but i was like as a commissioner that sounds like a pain in the ass because huge pain in the ass are you the commissioner in that league i am sure as hell not but i i paid i paid him the 10 bucks to be part of the experiment that's for damn sure so i'll I'll be honest with you man i love it like any new twist that you see nowadays in in fantasy football leagues i'm all about it um you know it started out when you're playing it's just you know all you know is redraft you know one redraft league after one redraft league when you're just you know you get into it and you're doing family leagues and then dynasty comes on you and then you know just a couple weeks ago i got my you know i dipped my toe into auction now you're throwing this at me. What's that other league that you play in? The roulette league? The How roulette that league. Yeah, that one's a dynasty league where every year you pretty much spin a wheel and any of the four positions get killed off. So that everybody in that position from every roster gets dumped into the player pool for the draft. Uh, so, yeah, I did two of those last year. Probably going to do one more here. I'm um, going to try to squeeze that startup in before redraft season really, really kicks off. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but man, it's hilarious because I'm in this league and I'm like, okay, and I'm thinking through it and we kind of put it together and it's 10 bucks, you know, we got it. We filled it quick. Uh, we, we know all these crazy people out there. So they wanted to draft and we got it rolling. And then for some reason in my head, I flipped it. That's what, that it was like, if the player in your lineup is outscored by somebody on your bench, you have to cut the starter. <laughs> and so you like, ended up having to cut everybody. So, so yeah, I, I screwed that up because I, and it's still fine. Like my approach, I'm not, I don't hate it, but like, I was like, I'm going to take two quarterbacks in my tight end first, and I'm not going to roster any, any quarterbacks or tight ends. Cause that way I don't have to cut. I won't have to worry about like, you know, cutting anyone, which is still the case, except, that it's not as beneficial, I guess. Like, cause it's like, oh, you just cut the bench guy. Like, ah, whatever. Like, I could live with cutting, you know, Jameis Winston or 
you know, or Baker Mayfield as my QB three, like who, I guess that, you know, not a big deal, but so I took a, I probably took the wrong, a different approach than I would have if I actually paid attention to the rules. Um, but so far so good. We're like six rounds in, uh, I didn't get Juju Smith-Schuster. So I told him that the league was null and void, but, uh, they're still drafting. So that's okay. <laughs> in, in retrospect though, if you went into this and you knew what you were doing and you had read the rules, how, I mean, <laughs> How how would you would you approach the draft any differently? Like I just don't know how you would because you can't really prepare for uh I don't know, unless you're just avoiding like these hit or miss type fringe players, like those scary type, you know, you, you put them in your lineup and they might do good or they might not. I mean, I don't know. Is there any specific way you're approaching that? Yeah. When originally I, my thought process was like, well, if these guys could get in date are in danger of getting cut if someone on my bench outscores them, I will just remove pretty much that factor by only rostering two quarterbacks and tight end, thinking that like all the other positions, no matter what I do, I'm going to roster a lot of running backs and wide receivers. So like there, like what happens if you know Joe Mixon goes out there and tweaks his foot in week two and scores 0.6 points. Like, and I'm cutting Joe Mixon because somebody on my bench, you know, fell forward for 10 yards. Right. So is there a caveat to injuries? Cause that seems like you could get, well, that, that seems like you can get screwed real quick it, right there. It, yeah. So if, yeah, it, it would be more, I think you would need that if the starter was the player getting oh, cut, but true, since it's right. the bench player. Um, yeah. The only difficult thing is as I'm like going through this, I'm like, I don't need, I don't like, I'm not drafting Tony Pollard. Because I'll be able to get that guy in the free off of fab yeah. because no one's going to play him and he's going to pop and then he's going to end up in the pool for ad drops, right? That's, so that's yeah. the scary thing is rostering someone like Tony Pollard who does have that potential. Like he doesn't need a Zeke injury. He can be involved on day one and have just as much of a workload. And then, you know, I'll tell you what, in that league, there's going to be some, uh, some serious drama in week one. I bet you see some crazy names end up getting cut. It's it's definitely interesting. I uh, like I said, I it was my own fault. It was very clear. I just was I had it in my mind that it was even more chaotic that the cut the starter would get axed. So I was like, oh, I know I found this loophole that I you know you can't get killed. You can't uh, I can't get forced to drop this guy if I don't have any competition for him. So I mean, it still kind of works, but sneaky, sneaky. Uh, Do you end yeah. up with anyone you like on that roster? Uh, your head. I'm like seven round. I'm like seven or eight rounds deep. I do have. I have. Uh, I started Dak and Russell Wilson, and then I ended up getting Dak, uh, Dak and Amari Cooper stack. So I felt pretty good about that. I took Hawkinson, which is a good. We're going to be talking about tight ends on today's show. I buried the hell out of that lead six minutes in. We're going to be talking tight end strategy for redraft here. Um, so I got Dak and Wilson, Amari Cooper, Hawkinson, not in all that order. Najee Harris as my anchor running back in a full PPR, and then. I've just been pounding wide receivers. I took Cooper Cup, uh, T. Higgins, who I will own in almost the main leagues. I own Juju Smith-Schuster this year, I think. Yeah, you know what? I meant to tag <laughs> you on Twitter. I saw some sort of report. I can't remember who it was from. Um, someone on the coaching staff, I think, said something along the lines. Or actually, it might have been even from straight from Joe Burrow saying I think it was. how T. T. Higgins is bigger, more explosive this season. He just all in all looks better. Like, oh, that's the kind of stuff. I knew Kyle August is loving that. Dude, any any Higgins or Ayuk hype at this point in my life, I don't know if I could handle it anymore. Like I own those guys every every roster that I have. I'm trying to get these guys on in Dynasty. I've added them in startups this year, you know, and in redraft. I think that value where they're going to end up in round five ish, even four. Like I'm I'm good with that, you know. And I, but I think round five is going to be the sweet spot for those guys. I think I'm. I think the industry is 
pretty high on Higgins because of the volume. I'm not sure that everyone's a believer in Ayuk, but um, do you think he's but, the wide receiver one in that offense? I, I think he is, but I'm I, also not a. I, I like Debo Samuel, but he's more just like he's a foot. He's like a he's a football guy. He's like a NFL guy. Like he's a great player to have on their team, and yeah. he does a lot of good things. But from a fantasy perspective, it's like you know, it's just not. Anytime like they get, oh, we're going to manufacture touches for him. Like, well, why isn't he good enough to just, you know, that you can just involve him? <laughs> you know, like to see if the, the whole Trey Lance thing, assuming Trey Lance starts, how that dynamic ends up changing the how targets are distributed in San Francisco. Like I was going through our tight end rankings here before the show and someone like George Kittle. It's like, you know, we just automatically plug him in second after Travis Kelsey. But it's like, you know. Oh, I mean, I was going to say maybe he had like a bromance with Jimmy Garoppolo, but he definitely had a bromance with Jimmy <laughs> Garoppolo and he was not shy about it. It's all over social media. Yeah. But um, it, beyond George Kittle, you know, I'm, I'm curious how things would roll with Trey Lance and how targets are distributed. I actually um had a little bit of um not FOMO. What do you call it when uh you already made the mistake? And <laughs> I took and fear. I, <laughs> just straight <laughs> fear. Regret. I took, um, yeah, just fear of regret. I took <laughs> Trey Lance second overall uh, in a, a dynasty rookie draft, super flex. Obviously, Lawrence went first, but uh, I keep seeing all this stuff about Justin Fields, man, and uh, how he looks good. And, you know, Andy Dalton's mentoring him, not that Andy Dalton's this super uh, stud elite quarterback, but just everything. Like, I, I've seen just nothing bad coming from Justin Fields' camp right now. I'm curious. Do you think I made a mistake? No, I, I no, would. You're 100% Trey Lance over Justin. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Like, I think if you put them both, uh, apparently, every, you know, if you put them in a vacuum cleaner, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, I think they both have, uh, you know, they both have talent and traits that you want from a fancy perspective. But at the end of the day, when you look and you could say, you could point to draft capital too now if you want as well, you know, Lance went second sure. overall. But what for me, what it boils down to is, Kyle Shanahan versus a, you know, the bag of rocks running the Chicago bears at the moment. Like that's, there's no chance yeah. I'm, I'm putting my, my money in that basket. Like for me, fields is the one Oh three. Like I feel I'd even take him over pits, um, which I know he's obviously like on freaking fire right now, but like, I think fields is a, he's going to be solid and he's got Allen Robinson. It's not totally inept, you know, offense, but you know, Lance is just, he's tied to Kyle Shanahan. Give me that every day. And maybe fields has more upside over the course of like, his career, maybe he does end up being better, but I I feel like it's the safer bet to go with Lance, and he still has as much upside as Fields. So, yeah, um, if, any, yeah. if anything, I feel like Lance could have more upside. And mm -hmm. it, it, as far as like safety, I feel like Field. I don't know, man. I really am torn. Like I feel <laughs> off the top of my head, I want to say Fields seems like the safer pick. Like he was the he was a better prospect in my eyes coming into the draft. Like mm -hmm. I I thought that should have been the pick for San Francisco. And then Trey Lance is touted as this like under or, you know, what is he? 20 years old coming into yeah. the league. He's, he's he's not exactly seasoned. You know what I mean? Right. Um, He's got a long way to go. A lot, a lot of a lot of shit to learn. And it seems like Justin Fields might already be there. That's all I'm saying. That's what scares me a little bit. But it's all you know, that, that's why I took him. It was all about situation and upside. He's got the rushing upside. He's got mm. Kyle Shanahan. He's got a plethora of wide receivers that are and tight end that is fantastic. Everyone after the catch is incredible in that offense.
Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think a lot of that will be good stuff for Trey Lance. I don't know exactly how we got into quarter quarterback talk. I don't know. I kind of went off the rails there, but uh, shout, out, shout out to my boy Trey Lance. I need you to do things for me in this dynasty league. I put a, a lot of draft stock in you, my friend. There we go. And I know a lot. And I've seen, man, I saw a couple leagues where uh, I think only one that I was in, but I saw some other people posting like some chat groups I was in where Lance went at the 101, like over Lawrence, which, you know, I, that that rushing is just such a, a key man. And then it's just, uh, you know, when you see these guys going off and like, we see the players that are going off the top of the board right now in redraft leagues at the quarterback position, uh, they're, they're all rushers. I mean, all of them, even, even like, you know, Dak and Russ don't run for a ton of yardage. They run for enough that keeps them in that category. They get touchdowns. Um, and we're going to be breaking down our QB draft strategy a bit next week. Um, so not to get too far into that, but yeah, man, it's definitely interesting. And, this is the time of year when we, yeah, we're just bouncing around and, and, uh, you know, there's not enough going on to keep our attention. So you kind of just, you just start wandering down these paths. We're like, what is this? Or what about this guy? And yeah, that's pretty much what, how a lot of conversations are going these days. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure, man. It's that, it's that time of the year. It's speculation season. So before we get too far along, I mentioned last week your, uh, your shirt game was at an all time oh. high. So people got to be tuning into the YouTubes, but then you show up today with whatever this is. I, I, I don't know if we can continue. This might be our final, uh, our final podcast, but uh, I guess, is that, is that your one Oh one and redraft leagues this year? Are you, are you propping them up that high or he's not, but you know what, if, if you want to make the argument to me, you don't even have to argue. You can tell me you're taking Saquon one Oh one and I'm, I'm not going to flinch. I'm, I'll get behind that. Um, it, you know, CMC, I feel like he's, as safe of a pick as he might seem, I mean, what is so stable about his situation that's not, you know, the same with Saquon's situation? Um, I mean, it's 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 essentially an entirely new offense in Carolina. It's kind of the same in New York, and Saquon Barkley is this freak athlete. We saw what he did in his rookie season. I think a lot of people just kind of forget about that. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like there's a weird amount of concern about him coming back from this injury. Uh, you know, but being in uh, 2021 now with modern medicine and whatnot, I'm not so concerned. I think Saquon's going to come back. He's going to be a stud. And um, I don't have my my updated rankings right in front of me, but I think I'd have Saquon's RB4 maybe for me. Um, I'd, I'd still go CMC first. Uh, Dalvin Cook second, Derrick Henry third in, in lieu of the Julio Jones to Tennessee news. I think that's that yeah. it can't be understated or overstated rather enough uh, for what that's going to do for Derrick Henry. It's just wheels up for that guy. Uh, but then I, I don't know how you don't have Saquon as the next guy up there. It's just the, the pass catching upside is immense. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it, it's definitely going to be a fun conversation because I don't think there's a clear one on one. So as we get further and further, you know, into the summer. And as we approach redrafts, you know, we're going to be talking about this and what you get should do. Uh, every time I look at the top of the board, I'm like, man, I hope I get pick five or six or seven. Cause I, you know, there's, I don't really love, you know, any of the guys like, you know, Kamara's not there for me now, you know, ver- like what, like what he was. And, you know, I, I still think Zeke's gonna have a great year. I, there's no reason I need to take him that high, you know? So like, you kind of feel pressure to take one of those other guys you just mentioned, rightfully so they're coming off great years. But uh, anyway, we'll we'll dive into all that stuff as we get closer. Um, we're 15 minutes into this thing. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us for a bit. We're talking tight ends, so we've got plenty of time. Don't worry. Um, but we're going to be looking at our tight end strategy for this year as we're kind of, again, here in mid-June. Um, it, it's definitely going to be an interesting year because we've added another name 
uh, I guess, to to the list of elites. Let's just start. Yeah. Let's just jump right into that because I think that's honestly, you know, whether you're if you're tight end, you're either tight end early or you're wait till the end of time. More than likely, those are your, should be your strategies if you're taking those middle of the road guys in rounds six or seven or eight. You're probably asking for pain because. Uh, we, it, those guys rarely pan out to be difference makers. You can usually find guys later on in your draft, but obviously the name I'm alluding to here is Kyle Pitts, Jake of your Atlanta Falcons. He's, uh, in sleeper ADP. They've been publishing ADPs and they're giving us redraft PPR ADP right now. Um, he's tight end four. he's 48th overall off the board. Um, which is the end of the fourth round. The dude's on freaking fire. Now that Julio Jones is out of town, he's quickly being moved up people's rankings. So, I guess overall, before we just dive into kind of positional overview and strategy, like I think Kyle Pitts is a key piece we need to cover. So what's your thoughts on Pitts? How are you approaching him into his rookie season? Uh, well, in general, like we, you know, like, like you said, we can get a little more into tight end strategy uh, as we go along here. But it, it's been just, you know, there's those first couple beast tight ends. And then after that, I'm out. I'm waiting till round 16. That's where I'm going to get my Mark Andrews of what, 20, 2019. Those guys are going to pop off flying under the radar. They're in, uh, they're in line for a huge amount of volume. Uh, that guy's Kyle Pitts this year. And, and you know what? There's kind of like a, a big six this year. Like I'm, I'm not totally out on tight end. If Kelsey's off the board, if Kittle's off the board, um, I'm all in on Darren Waller this year, and I haven't been in the past. I'm all in on Hawkinson this year, and then the aforementioned uh, Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the stage is literally set for this guy. Like, I mean, he can finish his tight end one as soon as this season. I know that sounds crazy, and people are going to hear that and roll their eyeballs, but uh, Julio Jones, he the guy was good for 150 targets. If he was healthy for 16 games, that was the kind of volume he was getting. And now he's totally gone. And I understand that, you know, that the targets aren't going to 150 targets aren't going to just funnel to Kyle Pitts. But Matt Ryan, he's now missing that big bodied receiver that he's been used to for what the past decade. Uh, That guy is gone right now. And Calvin Ridley, he's going to eat. He's going to be incredible this year. But uh, they've got to have another way to be able to move the ball down the field. They're not going to have a great run game. This defense that Atlanta has is going to get torched just like they did last year and the year before. Uh, Atlanta averaged the third most pass plays per game in 2020. Um, it's, it's, it's seriously just wheels up for Kyle Pitts. We joked about his ADP plenty, you know, heading up, you know, right after the draft. Um, oh, he's the super touted tight end. They usually take three years anyways to pop off. People are betting on just total upside. Now you said what he's 48th overall. Yeah. seems like it might be a bargain, man. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're talking about, a guy, a guy who's literally, I, I believe he's going to be a wide receiver in the Atlanta offense, practically a wide receiver in the Atlanta offense with a tight end designation uh, for fantasy. Uh, you know, this is the, it's the new era of the Atlanta Falcons, their new coaching staff, their new front office, and they go out there and Kyle Pitts, fourth pick overall. I mean, that's, that's making a statement, the earliest tight end ever taken in an NFL draft. I mean, they... They put their stock in this guy. This is the statement that the team came out and made. We're taking over, and we're going to start by making our first move with Kyle Pitts. And this was, again, to remind you, when Julio Jones was still on the team, it wasn't like, oh, man, we have this big need now for a pass catcher. Uh, They were all in on Kyle Pitts before that, even though that there was tempting options on the board, even though there was you know killer quarterbacks, there was Jamar Chase out there. They could have traded back like a lot of Falcons fans, including myself, are hoping for. 
uh, but again, but with how much stock they put into him, fourth overall pick, they're not going to just throttle him into this offense. I would be shocked. I think this guy is going to be a star in week one. I think he's going to come out there, light the world on fire, and I think he's going to be even harder to acquire in you know tight end premium dynasty leagues than he already is right now. Have you have you kicked the tires at all on Kyle Pitts? I'm sure you play in some tight end premium, Kyle, but I can't even think of an offer that isn't insulting. I I, I tried. I did in one league. Somebody was trying to. They put him up, and I'm like, okay, let's see. Let's just see where this person's at with him, and. My asking price apparently was not anywhere. I don't even remember what it was. Like, and I obviously wasn't given my best offer at the beginning because you would never do that. Sure. Um, but like, I it was I wasn't even close. He's like, dude, I'm. And he's like, so I'm not. When, when people put players on the block, that's so full of shit, and I'm I'm guilty <laughs> of it too. You're not saying I want to trade this player. You're saying throw me your highest bid entirely. I want to see who's willing to severely overpay for this player. And then maybe, maybe, maybe I'll pull the trigger on them. Yeah. It's definitely usually have those two scenarios of either. Yeah. Like I'm trying to cash out. It's blatantly obvious. And you, the only, yeah. Through the roof right now. Yeah. Or you're the, or you, or obviously the, the most common one on the other side is like, I'm frustrated as hell. I want this guy off my roster. And usually that's when I'm throwing more bids out there, you know, trying to, trying to see what I can get. But yeah, it's not that way, obviously, for Kyle Pitts. The dude is the hot, you know, the hottest name right now amongst tight ends, probably. Could be. And uh it's yeah, it's no joke. Even in redraft, people are expecting production right out of the gate. I think you said a lot of key things there, Jake, and spot on. So, you know, just the the highlights for me, you know, going, you know, from what my thoughts are on Pitts and and just to reiterate a, a little, was they this is an organization that they they probably knew that they were getting rid of Julio, right? Sure. But they still took him over Jamar Chase, yeah. you know, and in the draft. And this is a team you mentioned uh, the, the targets that Julio sees is unbelievable. You look at la- just last year, Kelsey and Waller. Kelsey actually played one last game. They both had 145 targets. Exactly weird. Um, Kittle on a per game basis was about 125. And then Hawkinson was uh, Hawkinson had a oh, sorry Logan Thomas had 110, and Hawkinson had 101. Um, you know, those are, those are, so to just say like Pitts, like, oh, maybe 120 targets, like that's top five at the position right out of the gate. And I don't think that's um, far-fetched based off of the things that you mentioned as well. The game script should go his way. They don't have anyone else there. They, they committed no other resources to the wide receiver position or any pass catchers. So I think Pitts is truly a wide receiver labeled as a tight end for fantasy. And that's what you should be taking advantage of. So yeah, uh, that's big time. It's easy to get excited about the 150 vacated targets that you're going to get from Julio Jones. But I mean, let's look at the tight end position too. Hayden Hurst saw 87 targets last year and he's still on the team. Like he's going to be involved, but it's the Kyle Pitts show right now. I mean, that's that, that's volume that he's going to be taking. I mean, this guy is going to see, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's going to be biblical. The amount of volume, that, the amount of volume that this guy's going to see in his rookie year is just going to totally blow apart the entire <laughs> philosophy of wide receivers and their three year growth period that they need to become successful in the NFL. I'm just, I'm, I'm certain that Kyle Pitts is going to break that model. So I, yeah, you mentioned Hayden Hurst. He actually tied for 10th amongst tight ends with 88 targets. Mm-hmm. That was the same amount of targets as Mark Andrews. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm telling you, dude, yeah. And, and honestly, that was something that when, uh, and I don't even know if we talked about in this show, so maybe I did people a disservice, but like when, uh, when the Julio news came out, I started looking around for Hayden Hurst shares. Like 
I was like, why not? I mean, like they could run two tight end sets. He could be their third best pass catcher on that team. Um, And he's a free agent. So if you're in dynasty league, that's a little scratch off for next year. Just see where he lands. Right. There's plenty of teams that need tight ends. Yeah. He, he proved himself to be, you know, perfectly fine as a, you know, a a startable guy uh, for fantasy purposes. So um, I, I would not be surprised if we're sitting here, you know, maybe not to start the year because I still think there's 12 other tight ends that are clearly better than Hayden Hurst for your fantasy team, but uh, there's more than 12, but I, I think that, I wouldn't be surprised if by week four or five, when we're getting to those bye weeks, it's like, hey, you could plug and play Hayden Hurst here. Like he's getting, you know, five targets a game, and that's for tight end. That's pretty damn good. So, um, yeah, I, I I was slow to come around on Kyle Pitts. I still think for me, he is the last. I think he's for me still. I haven't committed to putting him in a tier with those top three guys. He's like in his own little tier that's just like like a quarter step below mm-hmm. Waller and Kittle. Sure. And then for me, then that's just his price tag is re- is just a little bit too high. Um, we'll see. Maybe I come around and maybe I just take that leap for him right there. But I don't. I I do think I do think he is tight end four. I do think that his price tag is while a little bit high is not uh, crazy. And if you want to take him, that's where you got you got to take him. He's one of the hottest names. People are going to be targeting this guy because of all the hype surrounding him. And in, a, in an offense that should be throwing the ball quite a bit, you know, even though there's some unknowns with the new you know coaching staff there. I don't think they're going to have a choice. You can't, yeah, yeah. you cannot <laughs> ball control that with that defense. That's just not how it goes. So yeah, um, real quick, go speak, speaking to those tiers, the way I kind of see it set up right now is I do have Travis Kelsey sitting at the top there on his tight end throne. Uh, and then you, George Kittle and actually, you know, I think our top six are pretty much uh, exactly the same if, I, if I'm not correct, but uh, George Kittle and Darren Waller, I think that separates a nice solid, um, it's still an elite tight end tier, but you know, not quite Travis Kelsey, but no one is. Uh, and then that's where I'm. I'm. Uh, I have the Kyle Pitts, on the Kyle Pitts bracket. Kyle Pitts, T.J. Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, um, in that order. And I, I'd like those guys as the um, super upside. Yet I'm still, you know, high floor type of tight ends. Mm-hmm. After that, man, I mean, you could name, you know. <laughs> You can name 10 other guys as tight end seven, and I, I'd i probably take it. I'd be like, all right, I'll hear you out on it. But uh, you know, I've got Dallas Goddard in that spot for reference. But mm-hmm. um, it's a big six for me this year in tight end. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews. After that, I'm, I'm super out on tight end. I'll watch every tight end fall off the board until my last pick. If I'm playing in a league with defense and kickers, I'm taking the tight end after my defense and kicker. Uh, <laughs> There's, there's plenty of guys that are going to be available to choose from. So um, before I cut you off there, Kyle, you can you can now have the floor back. Oh, no, I was going to say, I think that's going to be the consensus all the way around. I think that's going to be those six guys. You know, if you're if you're not, I mean, when you look at Pitts even and Hawkinson, I think these are guys that you're going to see volume. Um, Andrews has not traditionally been a, you know, 100 plus target guy. I don't think that necessarily changes this year. He, but he finds the end zone. Um, Are you worried so, about the fact that they're adding the wide receivers now and he's not like the goat, like the de facto target in, in Baltimore? Not really. I mean, he's still, I, I still think he's a, a big part of their offense. He's going to score, you know, he's, he's been traditionally a guy that his fancy value is tied to his touchdown, um, you know, potential. And that's, come to fruition in the last few years, even with a down year, you know, from Lamar, I guess, as, as far as, you know, his touchdowns not being that crazy ass number we saw from in 2019. But Andrews for me is like, he's kind of, 
like I I don't know it are they tiers if they just include one person at a time but like I I it's like I like Hawkinson yeah it's like it's Pitts by himself Hawkinson by himself Andrews by himself and then please God get away from me <laughs> um because I'm looking at the ADP right now and again ADP is exactly those names you mentioned Andrews actually ahead of Hawkinson in ADP right now but then Noah Fant is only uh eight spots behind Hawkinson so it's like if people and whether it's Fant or Goddard I've seen those two names kicked around a bunch for that spot um. No, I mean that's that's there's no <laughs> chance in hell. I'm that's not a one round difference. That's multi round difference, yeah. and you know, so it's definitely you have to make your decision with if people are actually if everyone is on the consensus that there's six guys, you know, that's half your league is going to end up with one of those tight ends. Um, you mentioned Kelsey being on a throne by himself, and that's I pulled it up because last year was just just freaking utterly ridiculous. You know, eleven touchdowns was a big year for him. Kelsey has gotten a ton of production over the course of his career without being a huge touchdown guy. He was last year, um, 105 receptions, 14, over 1400 yards. He averaged per game. He averaged, uh, three more points per game than Darren Waller. Um, who was, who was second, which is insanity. When you look down to it, Mark Andrews was tight end four in points per game. Uh, you can go all the way down to like the edge of tight end one territory, like around tight end 12 and points per game. That's a point and a half difference from Andrews all the way down to like 13, 14 yeah. in points per game. So you're talking about like just, just crazy how much, how much better Kelsey was uh, than the rest of the field. That hasn't been the case over the last few years, as much as Kelsey has been tight end one, he hasn't been just that much better than everybody else, you know, but last year was just crazy. So how do how, I guess tr- for you, kicking it back to you jake like traditionally how have you handled tight end and like what are your expectations for this year obviously we talked about you know that giant tear break for both of us probably that it's you got to get one of your six or or out but how do you generally lean are you generally going to shoot for that tight end early have you done that in the past and like what's your plan for this year as it's uh shaking out here in june I'm not traditionally looking uh, to go for a tight end early. Maybe if I'm in a weird spot in the first round where like, depending on what year we're drafting and maybe there's a weird tier break at running back and maybe there's only two wide receivers that I really like right there. And those guys are gone. Now you're forced to look at Travis Kelsey and probably this year more than any year before because of those, that crazy season that you just referenced there, 260 fantasy points. Uh, from weeks one through 16. That was good for wide receiver three, right? Besi- right behind <laughs> Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill. I mean, that's the kind of value that you're getting. And this is a guy that you're plugging into your tight end spot. Like, uh, and Robert Tanyan, a guy who finished his tight end three, 142 fantasy points, was good for wide receiver 34, which is pretty much like Jarvis Landry territory. So just to again echo that, and I'm, you know, we've talked about it plenty of times on this show, just the difference between that tier that Travis Kelsey's in by himself and then the guys that you have squeaking into tight end three, which when you say tight end three sounds like this, you know, you're stoked to have the tight end three on your team, but you know, really, how does that uh how does how does that end up producing for you from a fantasy perspective? Mm-hmm. Um you know, heading into this year though, I, I've been thinking about it and you know, given those numbers. I think it's justifiable to take Travis Kelsey at the end of the first round. I I wouldn't have had that thought process before, even in the mega, you know, the Rob Gronkowski prime days, it felt weird taking him in the first round Mm -hmm. guys. You have to pass on to take a tight end. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, And and then just the, the fact that in the back of my mind, I know that if I, if I go with that strategy of waiting until the 16th round to take my tight end, 
that I can hit the lottery and and you know I I won more than one league on the back of Mark Andrews and in, in 2019 and he was that guy he popped up in training camp he had you know he had a little bit of buzz and he ended up being a megastar. Um, I, I, you know what? It's still going to be probably that way for me. It's not because of any beef with Travis Kelsey. I'd love to have Travis Kelsey on my team, but you and I have talked about our, our basic draft strategy and how we approach things. And we're kind of similar. Like we both love that anchor running back strategy. So nine times out of 10, depending where I'm at in the first round, if I'm anywhere in the first half, it's for sure going to be a running back, right? If Travis Kelsey finds his way to me in the second round, I mean, I, there would have to be someone golden on the board for me to pass on him at that point. Uh, I mean, just the, the, the value that, uh, that Kelsey presents there. Um, but, but in the, like I said, in the first round, I love doing that anchor running back thing. It's mm-hmm. going to be hard for me to not take, you know, if we're not playing super flex, it's going to be hard for me to not just start loading up on wide receivers after that. So, mm-hmm. uh, and generally I'm going to, I'm going to wait on it. I'm going to, you know, take a few shots maybe at the end of the draft, a few tight ends with some high upside. Uh, and, and there's a lot of those guys this year. I actually wrote a couple names down. Like uh, Adam Troutman, I think, is a guy that you had ranked on your rankings. Cole mm-hmm. Komet, mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of younger guys. I like Gerald Everett in Seattle. Jared Cook, man. I mean, a guy that no one <laughs> talked about. Not much of a dynasty asset at his old age, but he's going to be, you know, he's going to be the shit in Los Angeles in a, in a Justin Herbert offense. Mm-hmm. That's the guy that I want for redraft this year. So if it's between me taking, you know, it, you know, I'll just say it like this. If it's going to be Travis Kelsey in the first round and I'm, you know, if I'm not going to do that, then I'm going to take Jared cook in the whatever round, you know, I, mm-hmm. and, and I want to pass on Travis Kelsey. I do. That's just what it comes down to. I want to leave the first round with with Saquon Barkley. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I want to leave the first round uh with Zeke I'm fine with that I, you know it's just something about that tight end in the first round even when they're producing like Travis Kelsey makes yeah. me a little weary when I know that some jerk in my league is going to end up taking Adam Troutman with our last pick and he's going to end up with you know, it being the second most targeted receiver on the Saints in a Jameis Winston <laughs> offense uh but but that's mostly it man that's that's probably how I'm going to be approaching it this year I'll be waiting on tight end I probably won't mm-hmm. get a lot of Travis Kelsey unless uh, you know, maybe it's a home league and, and someone's not with even in a home league, man. I mean, he, <laughs> Travis Kelsey's a household name by now. He is the he is the Rob Gronkowski of 2021, 2020, 2019. Um, but I'm I'm not gonna get him. And at that point, I, I'm I'm not gonna make the plunge on George Kittle over the wide receivers are gonna be available at that point. I'm probably not gonna do it on Darren Waller. Someone's gonna reach for Kyle Pitts before I will. So I'll, you know. I'll end up waiting. I'll grab my tight end at the end of the draft. Yeah. And, and I'm probably going to lean that way as well. The, the, it, they were definitely, I ended up with Kelsey in a lot more leagues than I expected last year. And I was successful in a lot of those leagues because dude, the yeah, guy, no like kidding. we said earlier, like he was a freaking <laughs> monster. Like uh, I actually, the number I was looking at before was I apparently defaulted to standard scoring and even half PPR and points per game. Kelsey was, uh, was actually more than three points better than Darren Waller. Three points better than the number two guy at the position. So every week, who had an probably, incredible, who had an incredible season, Derek yeah. Waller. I mean, did you say fourteen hundred yards for Kelsey? Fourteen hundred yards. That's yeah. stupid. Yeah, it, it's it was ridiculous. And so the fact that that gap, you know, obviously, like man, I, when I'm sitting at the end of the year, like look at all my teams that are in championships or win championships, I'm like they all have Travis Kelsey on them, right? And the dude was a stud every single freaking week. So it's just like, but I, I think the thing to keep in mind is just I don't know that there's going to be that big of a gap again yeah. this year 
I was going to um, say, and real quick, while it's on my head, the argument yeah. that you can make instead of, you know, it, it, for not making that plunge for Travis Kelsey and taking those uh, those other positional players this year is it, it, it does seem like more of a, a big six than a big three or a big two like it's been in previous years. Like mm-hmm. you said earlier in this episode, like there, if there's a big six, then that means half of your league has a stud tight end. You don't have so much of a positional advantage. By having the, you know, obviously it's still going to be an advantage if you have Travis Kelsey. He's going to stomp all over whoever your <laughs> opponent's stupid tight end is. But not to the de- degree I think of last year. I think that Hawkinson takes a huge step forward this year. I think, you know, now we've got Kyle Pitts coming into the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can see a step up, you know, eh, we can see what happens with Mark Andrews. But, um, you know, I guess you could say that that would be the devil's advocate for maybe not making that plunge on Travis Kelsey and maybe sticking with the late round tight end strategy. Mm-hmm. It, and for and usually when I'm like giving advice on you know when to take you know Travis in the discussions been around Travis Kelsey the last few years like when to take him it's like I usually tell people do don't even rank Travis Kelsey in your tight ends it doesn't matter he's the one it rank him amongst your wide receivers sure and and weigh that he will fill a position that you don't have you know I'd much rather try to fill a my last wide receiver spot you know than try to keep throwing darts at these really shitty tight ends off the wire. You know, if I if I wait really long and then I don't get a guy that I can start, you know, I'm, and I'm hunting for one, right? So that's why for me, I I do end up with Kelsey more probably than I would otherwise without that mindset. Just because when I'm looking at it, like even going into this year, I I take Tyreek Hill over him even with a position, and as long as Rodgers is in Green Bay when come August, like I'm taking Devonte Adams, but. That's the list. Those are the two receivers I'm taking over Travis Kelsey. So when you look at it, then it kind of becomes like, okay, well, how big of a tier gap is that between those two and Diggs or Medcalf or Jefferson, whatever your, your, your choices. So like if you're sitting there at the 110, 111, you know, okay, just take Kelsey and then just get the guy that's left, you know, coming back around. You don't need to take, you know, Diggs first because he's high in your rankings and then give somebody else the opportunity to take Travis Kelsey out from under you. So um, that, that's kind of usually my approach there is just looking at the end of the draft. I'm not taking him over usually any of my, you know, elite seven or eight running backs. And we'll dive into those names more specifically later on this summer. But yeah, it's for me, I, you know, if you can get Waller in round three, I, I dig that, you know, his ADP is such that you can get him at the end around towards the end of round three, 34th overall off the board right now is the tight end three. Yeah. That's solid. I like that a lot. I think that, uh, that fits pretty nice. Um, I mean, Waller, but, Waller can finish his tight end one this year. Oh, that's totally in play. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's a monster. And to, to get him there, uh, what is this? Almost 11, 12 picks behind Kittle. Like I like Kittle a lot, but I think him and Waller are pretty damn close. And the fact that everyone yeah. kind of craps on Waller, even though he's done it two straight years, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily get that. But traditionally, yeah, I man, I'm usually a guy that just waits and then I just play this game of like they all suck. So. You know, we're all like most of us are all screwed in this together, except for the guys that own Waller and Kelsey and Kelsey pretty much. And but the thing is, is that I'm screwed and I didn't take him to the last round. You're screwed because you took, you know, Zach Ertz in round six, you know, like, dude, is is Zach Ertz still an eagle? (laughs) He is still an eagle. In fact, kidding. He's tight end 12 in sleep rate EP. He is way behind. Like there is like a pretty big drop between where they at overall. But. He's being yeah, I mean, dropped with his tight end 12. Yes. That yeah. doesn't seem right. I it's I hope that situation resolves itself because it feels 
Like, I don't want Hunter Henry or Johnny I Smith. Zach, I thought Zach Ertz retired <laughs> five, five months ago or something. He's only like 31. I mean, he's not. I, I mean, know, but I haven't heard the guy's name. It's, I thought it was the Dallas Goddard show now in Philadelphia. There was like rumors that he was going to be traded to Indianapolis, and then I, nothing happened. I just assumed he retired with, no. with Todd Gurley or something. He's he's still out there. He's still in Philly. So we'll, I hope that situ- situation gets resolved before training camp. That isn't Start. that old either. Like, like you just 30. Like you think of Zach Ertz, he's been like this seasoned veteran. I mean, I guess he is, but he, you, he should have a few more good years under him. That's that. I picked him up in some startups last year in Dynasty thinking like, oh, yeah, he was cheap. You know, he's not that much older than, than, uh, like, than Waller, right? He's only a couple years, but like tight ends. And he's, I think he's the same age as Kelsey. Um, and I was just like, you know, he should still be good for a tight end one years over the next couple of seasons. And I saw, you know, I thought at the time too that Carson Wentz would still be in Philadelphia, but yeah, now it's just a situation. It's a little bit messy. Um, you know, God, it's a guy right now. I think it's going to fly up draft boards. If that happens, uh, he's tight end nine right now in ADP right around 95th overall. Um, I, I think he jumps dramatically if, if, uh, if Ertz gets dealt, then I think Ertz could be in play then um, as a, as a startable guy. Um, but yeah, dude, th- this position for me is usually one that I'm waiting on and I'll just play the roulette game towards the end of the year the other thing that i you know i think quarterbacks the same way in one qb leagues i'm sure i'll say this again next week is that um with your tight end if you're doing the strategy that jake and i are suggesting which i'm sure a lot of you do is just wait to the end to pick your guy then it gets real important uh looking at those early season matchups if i have a guy that has a good matchup in week one hell yeah there we go i can start with him and then future me deals with weeks two through 17 or whatever. Um, if you, but sometimes you can find a guy that gets you a few weeks. You're like, well, okay, I'm going to project this guy. Like looking at it. All right. I got, he's got hit for three of his first four matchups are good. All right. I'm going to roll with him. You know, you're going to give him an edge over, you know, you might not like him over the course of the season, better than some other players that might be available, but if his matchups are better, I mean, we're all setting lineups in week one. We're all doing rankings or looking at rankings in week one. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, shit eric ebron's all of a sudden like you know a thing yeah you know that that could be a thing you know you just because the matchups you could get a guy like man i really like this guy as far as some upside but his matchups are horrible you might be better off just cutting him anyway and going to get the guy that has the the better matchup of the group and i just threw out ebron as a uh, he has the bill so you're probably not drafting him just for reference but as we get closer we'll highlight those names of you know some of these lower end guys that we like that uh, are going to benefit from uh, early season matchups and also Obviously, the opposite. Like I said, Ebron might be a guy that you can spot start, but if he's playing Buffalo week one, eh, maybe that's not a position you want to put yourself in. So maybe you're going to rank him a little bit lower in your in your rankings for your draft because, yeah, it's like, man, I'm just going to cut him right away because the matchup is one I want to avoid. So uh, you de- unlike any, I think it's unlike any other position, you know. Uh, yeah, and, that can, cut- and tight end's tricky too as far as like projecting matchups. I guess like, Later in the season, once you start to get a little bit of data on how these teams are playing against the tight end, like there's usually one or one, two or three teams that are just for some reason, like they don't even uh, try to stop the tight end position. It happens every single year. To, uh, uh, Jacksonville plays Houston week one. So yeah. prepare yourselves for the Tebow uh, drafters in your league. Um, it, you it, know it, what? Listen, <laughs> let, hold on. Don't just graze over that. People are going to joke about Tim Tebow, but you know what's going to happen, right? You know there's going to be a point, and God forbid, I hope this doesn't happen. I'm knocking on wood right now. Uh, where, Trevor, like where Trevor Lawrence goes down in like week 10, right? Who's the backup, Who's the backup for Jackson? It's, it's still Minshew. He's still there. 
Oh, is it? Okay. Still yeah, yeah, I just my crushed your narrative. <laughs> I, I, I crushed my narrative, but I have, dude, I could just see it happening. I, I close my eyes, I squint, and I see Urban Meyer being like, Tim, let's let's run it back like the old days. He throws him out there and uh, he throws some interceptions. But I'm just saying, that's a tight end who's el- or a quarterback who's eligible as a tight end. Uh, I think, I, dude, I'm just telling you right now, you heard it here first. It's going to stir up some serious drama this fantasy season. Coming to a fantasy team near you. <laughs> I can't. Tebow. I can't take any more. I'm not saying life. to draft Tim Tebow or to pick up Tim Tebow. I'm just saying it's going to happen. It, it probably will. That's just the hell that we get every year with these guys. Like, oh, you can yeah. cheat code him into this position. Like, Jesus. At the very I, least, I dude, I guarantee you they draw up a play or two. Oh, they, for, yeah, for yeah, sure. Because it's like, yeah, we gotta show everybody we're right. Yeah, where Tebow <laughs> ends up throwing a touchdown pass to Trevor Lawrence or something weird like that. Oh, and then you won't be able to scroll through Twitter without seeing it because all week he's going to be featured in every damn waiver wire column that's ever written. Oh yeah, and he's probably and... He'll probably have the co- cover of Sports Illustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I'm not messing around with that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that this is this is clearly a position where it's so cut and dry. You can you know wait to the end, and um, you can it's like you just. You have to either get your guy early or not because those middle round guys are, they have to really hit in order just to return that value. Um, that there's just, uh, there's too, there's too big of a gap between the top guys and the gap is not wide enough between the fringe guys that you can draft at the very end to pick up off the waivers um, once the season starts. And then those guys that you had to spend a seventh or eighth round pick on. I'm just not, not, uh, not about that. Um, you mentioned a few names. Was there, was there anybody else as far as just some, some names to monitor, you know, for the group of us that is going to be waiting. Did you have anybody else that kind of jumped out to you that you may, you want to keep on your radar? Yes. And it's super ironic. Cause there was one guy who I was like, well, there was a couple guys I was super against a couple years ago. One of them was Josh Allen. And I screwed that one up. I own that one. Josh Allen is pretty okay. <laughs> but I was very against drafting Tyler Higby. And now I'm thinking about it. And this is a guy, you know, I went through your old rankings, Kyle. Again, they're not updated yet. So maybe, you know, it's been on your mind and you want to get Tyler Higby in there. But with Gerald Everett now going to Seattle, I feel like maybe we can rekindle some of that magic we saw at the end of the 2019 season where you couldn't watch the Rams without seeing Tyler Higby put up 100 yards and a touchdown. The, 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 he was just he was playing absolutely off the charts when Gerald Everett wasn't involved. Uh, we got gunslinger Matt Stafford now in the offense as opposed to Jared Goff. So I feel like, I mean, again, I'm not a, I'm not like a super fan of the talent or anything. He doesn't have any crazy athletic measurables. He was a fourth-round pick out of Western Kentucky, 28 years old. He doesn't bring anything super incredible to the table. But if he's going to be the tight end of choice for the Rams with a quarterback upgrade, I'm interested, and he's probably going to go undrafted in a lot of leagues just because of how disappointing he was last year. Mm-hmm. Give any uh, any thoughts on Higby? Am I missing something here? Did they they didn't sign another tight end, and I don't know about it? <laughs> no, I think you're I think you're spot on. Just like post hype a little bit here. Like this is a guy that was extremely overhyped last year. There was no reason to take him. He ended up being that you know round eight, round nine tight end, maybe even round seven in some spots, and he crapped the bed. And you were left picking off of the waiver tree, just like everybody else that didn't waste, didn't just set their eighth round pick on fire. So I, I think Higby, though, it's sleeper right now. And in, in, uh, this is just as of last week, June 14th. He's tight end 18 off the board. So he's free. Oh, um, you can take I'm your not, shot. 
Dude, I promise he finishes higher than tight end 18. I mean, I feel like he has to. And again, this feels so weird, like pumping the tires for a guy that 365 days ago, I was like, I am totally hands off. I'm not even going to think about Higby, you sucker, if you're going to draft Tyler Higby in the sixth round, which happened. It was weird. I mean, uh, people just fell in love with, again, the idea of just 100 100 yards every single week, like, just automatically, he was on fire. People were giving him those Gronk comparisons. The, anyone who scores 100, you know, anyone who gets 100 yards every single week is going to draw that comparison. But I don't know, man. I don't expect them to be putting up those kind of numbers week in and week out. But I feel like there's some sort of upside there, especially if, you know, one of Robert Woods or Cooper Cup happens to miss time. There's not like a super deep receiving core. They got rid of Josh Reynolds. Um, I, I think that they're, you know, there's there's some things I could like in that offense. What what are you laughing about? You got some. Uh, I just love some, Josh Reynolds so much, and he just he's just dead. He died. R.I.P. R.I.P. Josh Reynolds' fantasy value. That was a, that was a fun two and a half months we had. Send him to Atlanta, man. Somewhere where he can yes. thrive. Let's go. Somewhere that needs receivers. How did they not include Josh Reynolds in the Julio Jones trade? That would have well, been. I would have told them, yeah, no deal unless you throw in Josh. <laughs> yes. Yes, precisely. That would have been perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, Higby, I'll, I'll take, I'll take, uh, 137th overall Tyler Higby over my God, 85th overall Mike Gasicki. Like, I mean, they've yeah. pretty much been very similar. Gasicki had a nice little run. Higby's done it before, uh, too. Like these guys are not difference makers. I don't, I don't feel like, uh, as far as, you know, what they bring to the table, um, they're just, you're looking for some value. Higby is a guy that yeah he, he's he's somebody that I was surprised to see him that low so he'll be a guy that I throw on a few rosters. Um, <laughs> you mentioned it, the guy that you hated a year ago and now you're kind of you know propping up. Yeah, I mean as long as the uh, price is right, I feel like that was it was the, you know the same way with Clyde Edwards Alaire. You know if you want to look at yes. the running back position, I I'm I was nowhere near that ADP last year, but now this year he seems totally affordable. Um, the the other guy, the guy for me that fits that same exact bill. He's he's going about twelve to fifteen spot, fifteen spots earlier than that makes me, but still late. Uh, tight, yeah, tight end fifteen, Evan Ingram. I mean, <laughs> we have an argument on this show. I'm pretty sure about Evan Ingram because I wouldn't put him in my top twelve. I just still don't know if I'm putting him there. But if he's tight end fifteen and I can just pluck him out in round fifteen, sixteen in my draft, apparently. Okay, I'll I'll take that shot. You know why not? Be, I gotta be honest with you. I came out a couple months ago as the Evan Ingram truther on this show. Yes, he's now higher in your rankings than he is in mine by one I'll, spot. So I'll, you're I'll you are that. now officially the Evan Ingram guy on the fantasy football SmackDown. Congratulations! Uh, I, you, know, you know what guy you are on the fantasy football SmackDown. You're the Noah Fant guy. Uh, have are you still you still feel the same way about him? You have him in your rankings here that I'm looking at number seven. Uh, which falls right outside that big top six. So what is it about Noah Fant? Uh, I mean, you don't have to tell me what it is about Noah Fant as far as like the athleticism and whatnot. The dude's a freak. And I feel like on any other team, he'd be just uber elite. But, um, you know, I'll just say what everyone's thinking. The quarterback situation concerns me. Yeah. Uh, solid numbers last year. Six, uh, 93 targets, 62 receptions uh 675 yards only three touchdowns that's what really wrecked his fantasy value so i I think i rank him seven because i do feel like he is the seventh best tight end when you when you get to that point you really do need to start and you can't do this for your rankings necessarily but like 
if I'm put if I'm factoring in value and what you have to pay for these guys, like I'm not paying, you know, round six, round seven prices for Noah Fant. I will yeah. pay round ten price for Noah Fant when he's there, which will be never. Um, he's unfortunately, you know, he will be tagged. I think by consensus, him and Goddard will share this belt probably as the first non top six tight end. <laughs> which is also referred to as tight end seven. Um, but uh, with that, I'm not paying that price. They will be drafted way too early. Uh, and they, they, like we talked about earlier, the gap between where they will finish and someone you can get three, four, five, six rounds later is just, yeah. it's not um, just not enough to pay that price. So again, if everything's even and they're all sit, they're all sitting there, you know, outside of the top six, they're all sitting there in round 10. I'm taking Noah Fant. You know, I think he can get you that you know, around hundred targets, you know, his yardage numbers have been pretty solid. Um, last year, the, if the touchdowns were at, you know, five or six, he, I think he'd be on people's mark more on people's radar this year. But, um, and, and of course, like we've talked about on every show, so you can drink, uh, that Denver quarterback situation didn't get resolved <laughs> like we were hoping. Yeah. So, uh, that, that was disappointing, but, uh, yeah, man, I, I think, I think he is, he's, he's for sure my tight end seven. I just will never own him anywhere either because I'm not paying the price to get him. So tell me this, and I don't mean to totally hijack the show here, <laughs> but another guy that I keep wanting to push up my rankings is Blake Jarwin. Like he mm-hmm. had he had some hype going into last season before he got injured in training camp. Is that right? Uh, it was week one. I think it was week. I think it was. I thought it was week one. I knew it was super super early. Uh, yeah. Dal- Dalton Schultz took over, did a fine job. Is it just like a predetermined conclusion that? Blake Jarwin's coming in and he's the tight end one again. Or do you think they're going to do some sort of like goofy mashup? I'm asking you being the the Cowboys fan on this show, if you have some sort of insider trade information, but I want, I, I love the idea of having, if it's just Blake Jarwin, I think having the tight end one in this Dallas Cowboys offense, it's going to be one of the best offenses in the league for sure has to present some sort of value, but I'm not so interested if Dalton Schultz is, if, you know, if they're going to be splitting it up like a Minnesota uh, Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith type, like 50 50 right down the middle, 50 targets for you, 50 targets for you. Then I'm out. Uh, but yeah. if, if Blake Jarwin's getting the entire meal, then I'm very interested. So, how do you think that uh, the targets get distributed there? Yeah. So, I uh, I didn't want to completely get dropped off this call. So, I didn't push my internet this hard. That's how ridiculous my life is this moment with this. But, uh, um, Jarwin, uh, sorry, Schultz only saw one target week one. So if my memory serves me right in combination with that, uh, is that I'm pretty sure that Jarwin got injured during the week one game. Um, But uh, we talked earlier, Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews, 88 targets coming in at tied for 10th at the position. Dalton Schultz had one more target than them. (laughs) So it's just, it's it's crazy uh, how much they do utilize the tight end. There's plenty of opportunity uh, for them. Now, uh, mentioned earlier because I do like Blake Jarwin. I I do think he will be the guy uh, in Dallas, like solely. I think Schultz did a great job. He way outperformed what what everyone had expectations. Like literally, the beat writers that I follow for the Cowboys every week were like, "Holy crap, Dalton Schultz!" Still, like man, like he's just he's just a you know grinder, lunch pail, hard hat dude. Like he, he stuck around. He's been on the team now for a while. Great contributor. But I think Jarwin, while not you know, over the top. This is a guy that Dallas has faith in. They gave him a contract extension prior to last season. Um, they've, they showed with their money that they trust Jarwin as their tight end one. I think he will be the tight end one for the Cowboys in an offense that should give their tight end 85 to 90 targets, 
however that looks now plus in an extra game right so um the only sticky point because as i was looking through the schedule very quickly to see where eric ebron was and who he was playing in week one the cowboys play tampa bay in week one so he kind of get if he gets lumped if he isn't strong enough for you to be to be pushed into that i don't care i'm drafting this guy and playing him to start the season if he's in that little group of all right matchup dependent tight ends to start the year that's not a great matchup so um, and the fact that he's coming back from injury. So we'll obviously I have to keep a close eye on his recovery, but it was early on in the season. So I do have a lot of faith in Blake Jarwin to produce fancy points. It's my struggle is more of how do I acquire this man? Do I, do I draft him and, and hope that he's good to go from the beginning or can I wait and see and hope that he's on the wire when I'm good and ready to, to plug him in. So that's going to be the tough part. Yeah, that'll probably be the case. And I'm sure you have to throw just about zero fab on him because, again, I'll probably put up a dud against Tampa Bay in week one. And that's just a matter of if you're willing to make the roster space uh, at, at that point. But so all in all, you're saying like you do think it's going to be Blake Jarwin's job. Yeah, I think he's he's for me. Yeah, he's borderline top 12. You know, so if he's around, if he's sitting there at, you know, at, at sitting here in June, you know, the reports are he should be ready for, you know, camp coming around and everything if that's true and he's ready to go healthy uh yeah i'm gonna roll him out there and he'll be one of the guys that i'll kind of throw in that little group of guys i want to target in rounds you know 13 plus anyone like super stands out to you from like the uh we'll say i don't know tight end eight through tight end infinity that you really like i man i i want to love irv smith like a lot but yeah, like, me too. Me I, too. <laughs> like they're putting out updates that they're not. Oh, we're not going to use Irv Smith much more. I'll tell yeah. you, I won't buy that for a second, Kyle August. I hope. I hope that uh, there are a bunch of liars over there. He is tight end fourteen right now in ADP on sleeper. So if that holds true, I'm good with that. If he starts creeping up to like Noah Fant levels of eighty of ADP, then I start getting a little bit worried. Oh. So if I if I take him, you know, outside the top ten, I can see how this goes. If if uh, Zoom. If Coach Zim's a bunch of, if he's a liar, then thank God, you know, and I have a stud on my team. If he's, if he's not, he's only getting four, you know, two to four targets a game and, you know, you're relying on an end zone uh, look, then that's concerning and you're probably falling back down to, you know, the guys that are hopefully see a little, a little bit more involvement in their offense. So um, he's a guy that I'm waiting for that hype train to jump up a little bit um, on. But yeah, some, uh, other than that, for me, Troutman. Everett, those are the other two guys yeah. that are in that Jarwin range. I I like Komet, but I am concerned about Jimmy Graham still being there. Um, they threw to Graham a lot uh, last yeah, year, so it was like tight end ten or something. Like, yeah, he was he was solid he, from a fantasy perspective. Oh, did I lose him? I lost him, guys. He left the building. Who knows? Jake Rip is gone. <laughs> If you're watching on YouTube, you're probably like, what the hell just happened? So apparently I'm going to fill this air by myself. We'll see if I can get him back in here for a moment. But for now, uh, we are rolling and we'll give Jake another minute. Uh, as we wrap up this show, if you're listening on the podcast, who knows if I'm going to edit this or not. There's Jake. He is back. Well, that Bam. was embarrassing. What happened? I, so I was going to look up a stat and I hit the X button on the thing, but I'm back. I... Uh, <laughs> You know, I don't remember exactly what we were talking about, so that stat isn't going to be as uh, as important. Actually, you know, I do remember what we were talking about. It was oh, Jimmy, Jimmy freaking Graham. Who would have thought that that was the the topic of, topic of conversation that I'd be coming back? Brought to the with. house down, Jimmy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> brought the house down. But yeah, Jimmy Graham, man, tight end ten, and like 
So he falls into the end zone two more times just randomly. He's like pretty much tight end four, tight end three. Like that, that's how close he was. And that's just how small that gap is between, you know, in that tight end three through tight end, whatever, tight end 12 area. He was that close. But it, it's funny. You, you, know, you think of Jimmy Graham being as Mr. Irrelevance in some sense, but still, like you said, still involved. You think Cole Komet eats into that at all this year? I, I think he, I think he will, but does he eat into it enough to become fantasy relevant? It's going to be tough, man. In, I like in, re, in redraft, I would say probably not, but you know the dynasty community is still going to be all over this guy. Yeah, that's fine. I I, th- I still think there's, and it fits real nice into that narrative. Oh, it takes three years for tight ends to get moving. Well, Jimmy Graham will probably be gone by commence the re- third year. Um, so you, you still have that hope, but I, I've originally going in without like do, looking into much. I was like, hell yeah, Cole command. I'm, I'm pumped for this guy. And then as I was looking, I'm like, I think that's not true. Like, I think I was just making things up in my head. Uh, you know, he's not going to be presented with the same opportunity as, uh, Troutman as an example, you know, com- you know, in, in direct comparison for a sophomore guy. But anyway, uh, well, thanks for that heart attack. Uh, because I was like, where the hell did he go? I was um, like, I was in the middle of talking too. And I just had to audibly say out loud, Oh shit. <laughs> I, I'm sitting here. I'm like, dude, what did my computer do now? This piece of crap. Um, and then like the, the backdrop thing, he was all over my face. I was trying to figure out how to get that to go that's, away. That's and, fun for you. YouTube listeners. See, you're uh, missing out now. You're listening to the podcast now, but you wish, you wish you were subscribed to the DWZ YouTube channel, man. Uh, ah, that was, that was really crazy. Anyway, any parting thoughts, Jake as, or, or I guess your parting thoughts for the second time. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I'm going to, I'll leave it on the bold take. I really have a feeling that Travis Kelsey finishes tight end one. You can write me down, <laughs> write it, write it in ink, write it in black Sharpie. Uh, and Kelsey's going to do it this year. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that discussion as we get closer to just see where he falls for you, where that strategy looks like. Uh, as far as drafting him, because man, you have to pay up for him. But the man was on fire last year. Um, we somehow managed an hour long uh, tight end talk. This was a lot of fun. We've touched on some cool topics. Well, you uh, were, beforehand too. You were you were here for an hour. I was here for like fifty nine minutes and thirty seconds. <laughs> That's true. We'll deduct that from your paycheck. Um, <laughs> we we'll be back next week to talk quarterback strategy. We'll mix it in. We'll talk one QB. We'll talk super flex. Um, we know obviously for dynasty. Super flex, it's got to be the way. But for redraft leagues, not as popular yet. We'll, 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 the movement's coming. We all know it. But uh, we'll be talking about both of those things. I'll be on the war zone this week with Memphis. So be tuned into the war zone for that. If you're watching on YouTube, actually, it will be in like, I don't know, two and a half hours. Um, so hang out if you want. Um, but uh, yeah, give Jake a follow on Twitter at JakeTakesFF. You can give me a follow at KyleMonth8. Subscribe, rate, and review the show if you like what you hear. If you don't like what you hear, What the hell are you still doing here? It's been an hour. See ya.